Please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26, verses 36 to 46. And following the reading of Scripture, we will sing together the Gloria Patri, which is printed for you in your bulletin. Please stand for the reading of God's holy word, Matthew 26, beginning at verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he went and he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And God will add his blessing to this reading of his word. Amen. How can we thank God for all the things he has done for us? Things we do not deserve. And yet he demonstrated his abundant love and mercy in delivering us from our sin and misery. And we thank him in part by prayer. And we're reflecting on the uh, pattern of prayer, the teaching of prayer from our Lord and Savior. But what's, what's referred to as the Lord's Prayer. And we're on petition number three this morning. Uh, Remember, there are six petitions totally in the Lord's Prayer, three that are directed to the glory of God, three that are directed to your needs. You have uh, the first petition, hallowed be thy name, our top priority, then thy kingdom come, and then the one today, uh, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we'll turn to the other Petitions. The first of those is uh, your daily bread. Uh, the second is your need for forgiveness. And the third one of those is your prayer to be delivered from temptation. So we have this third petition, uh, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. <clears throat> is this petition really necessary Uh, Or is it perhaps a little redundant, having already prayed, hallowed be your name and your kingdom come? Well, Zacharias or Sinus, the author of this catechism, reflects on that. uh, And he says in the former petition, 
We pray that the church may exist, be preserved, and glorified. In this, we ask that God uh, ask of God that everyone may be may properly discharge his duty in the church. And so we see a development, a connection, and a development in these first three petitions. Our top priority: Hallowed be your name, that God's name would be honored by us and all men. And then carrying that out, how can that be carried out? How can that be accomplished? Thy kingdom come, that the gospel may be preached in all the world and believed and obeyed by us and all men. And then we come to this third petition, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's that those who've been brought into the kingdom, those to whom the gospel has been preached and to whom have been believed, may they uh, carry out your holy will. May your will be done. Uh, There are two parts to this uh, specific petition. The matter, what we're praying for, and the manner, how we want it to be accomplished. And the matter is God's will. Uh, Thy will be done. And uh, what is the will of God? What are we praying for? What are we thinking about when we make that prayer request or Is it something mystical, an an unknowable thing? Are you and I trying to discern the the steps of the future? Well, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. It helps us to appreciate that there are two aspects to the will of God, and they're important for us to reflect on. In Deuteronomy 29, 29, the last verse of that chapter... And I'll keep you in Deuteronomy for just a little bit. But in Deuteronomy 29, 29, it says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. One aspect of the will of God is his secret Uh, will, his providential will, his decretive will. It's the plan of God, even for our redemption. We see uh, descriptions of this and statements of this throughout the Bible. Uh, One in particular of our redemption in Ephesians 1, and no need to turn there just yet. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So God has the counsel of his secret providential will that has been planned before the creation of the world. And it includes our redemption. It includes all the events that happen in our world. And that, in a sense, is none of our business. That is not what you're praying for. It's not as though we are praying for God to accomplish his secret will because it will be accomplished. It's not as though we're praying for God to accomplish his providential will because it will be accomplished. Uh, We are praying as the catechism questions will encourage us. We're praying for a humble submission to that. But we're not praying for that to be accomplished. It's not our business to know what the future will be. And there's some elements of it that it's really good that we don't know what the future will be. We might live each day in a sense of dread and overwhelming uh, darkness thinking about that. Uh, and so the Bible is very strong against any attempts 
to uh, discern the future. Uh, Turn back a bit to Deuteronomy 18, verse 10. Deuteronomy 18, where the people of God are given this strong warning. In verse 10, it begins, Let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft. I'm going to continue in a moment, but it it really strikes me powerfully that God would equate offering your children in fire and uh, seeking out divination. God equates those things as equally uh, horrible, as equally uh, despicable. But he continues on with this, uh, uh, this, this idea, or in verse 11, or cast spells, or who is a medium, or a spiritist, or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. And because of these detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. Now, I don't know whether any of you, just for entertainment purposes, have looked at your horoscope. Uh, That wouldn't be the end of the world, as long as you don't take it seriously. Perhaps the only negative thing about looking at your horoscope is if you allow it to take root in your mind like they're actually saying something that's going to be true. You know, horoscopes are like those things. They just throw down something on paper and people listen to it. But you and I are not to know the future. It's not of our business. Uh, the, uh, but the second aspect of God's will given to us in Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine, the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children. The second aspect of the will of God is the revealed will of God in his word. And we have that reflected here in this very same passage in Deuteronomy 18. Um, In verse 14, it, it continues the thought, the nations you will dispossess, listen to those who practice sorcery or divination. But as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do so. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers You must listen to him. God is going to raise up a prophet like Moses, and that's a a prediction and a foreshadowing of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the prophet who was to come. And the Old Testament uh, 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 school of the prophets was a foreshadowing of that work of the prophet, but it was through the prophets, through the prophet, That the revealed will of God is given to us. It's through the word of God. It's through the law of God. It's through all that God has given to us. And the the secret things belong to the Lord. But the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever. So you and I, when we're thinking about the will of God and praying that God's will be done, especially how it applies to us, we're praying for us to know the will of God in his word and to obey it and to follow it. We're not asking for insight into the future. We're asking for insight into the truth and for our, the humility of heart 
uh, to believe that. I won't have you turn there, but Paul in 1 Thessalonians 4 says, Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments that we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of of God, your sanctification. God has clearly revealed what he wants us to know. Now, that doesn't mean every passage of scripture is as easy to understand as others. But God has given us clearly everything he wants us to know in his word. And that's what we're to pay attention to. Uh, Turn to Psalm 119. Here, the, the entire psalm is a, a recounting of the blessedness of those who oh, hear God's word and obey it. In Psalm 119, and we'll read the first section, verses 1 through 8 of Psalm 119. It says, blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. It's said in different words in verse 5 there, but verse 5 is essentially this third petition. Thy will be done. Uh, The psalmist says it this way, Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. May your will be done in me. That's what he's praying for. And we have in the revealed will of God everything we need. Uh, You remember the familiar passage, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Uh, The word of God is given to us to equip us and ready us for all the things that God Uh, intends for us to do all the obedience that he desires of us and so when we're praying thy will be done in part we're praying for that will to be accomplished in us so that's the matter of the prayer the manner of how we're how it's to be conducted is may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven And as the angels obey God in heaven, that's the manner, that's the way in which we're to obey God here on earth. And I've referred you to Thomas Watson's uh, book on the Lord's Prayer. It's a wonderful volume. Very edifying. But he gives eight characteristics of the angels' uh, obedience to God. And they're worth, I'm basically just going to read the titles of these to you. He goes on in longer explanations, but just think think through these things. First, regularly, that is without wavering. Uh, Second, entirely, without holding anything back. Uh, Third, sincerely, that is they desire to obey. 
forth willingly. Uh, They're ready to obey at any moment. Uh, Fifth, fervently. There's a zealousness to it. Uh, Sixth, readily. Seventh, swiftly. And eighth, constantly. Well, what are we praying for when we're praying for this in this petition? We're not, again, praying that God's sovereign, providential, decretive will will be accomplished because that will be accomplished. As the Heidelberg Catechism has us reflect on in some of the other catechism questions, we're, we're praying, uh, the Heidelberg Catechism says that we will renounce our own will because we want to do our own thing. We pray that we will would not murmur against God in obeying his will. And we're praying that we will perform all the duties of this life. We're praying in this request for contentment, contented submission to the providence of God. Our problem is when the providence of God comes our way, we tend to resent it or rebel against it. So one of the things we're praying for is humility of heart that we might lovingly submit to the providence of our God who is good and who only does what is good. We're also praying, as we've talked about, our active submission to the revealed will of God. Uh, Watson refers to those two things as our passive obedience and our active obedience. We're submitting faithfully to God's providence. We're actively seeking to please him. And in the humility of our hearts, the desire to please God, praying that our actions might be pleasing in his sight. Well, there will be some who would say, well, if it's all going to happen anyway, why pray? If God knows what we need before we even ask, why pray? If God's sovereignty is going to be carried out, uh, why pray? And our friend, our, our sinus, uh, Zacharias, our sinus, has some thoughts on that too. He says, we don't pray for God's sovereign will to be done as if it won't, but so that we might take part in God's will being done. He adds, God has decreed the means as well as the ends in his will. We may not always put it together, but we pray to see God's will done. God has ordained the, the, the end, and he's ordained the means to the end, which is your praying. Is it necessary for you to pray? Absolutely. It's part of God's ordained means to the end. He uses your prayers to accomplish his will. There's a book I read some years ago called My God is Yahweh. It's a covenantal presentation of the uh, life and times of Elijah. And in the section where he's dealing with Elijah's confrontation with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, uh, he's reflecting on the fact that Elijah came with such confidence to God to call down fire from heaven to consume the offering. Uh, He offered that prayer to God with great deal of confidence 
<clears throat> and, and he goes on to talk about that. He says, the prayer of the believer is a link in the chain by which God realizes his promises. That's the remarkable thing about true prayer. The believer is convinced that his prayer is heard and answered even more carefully than he could have wished. But he also knows that God will not answer his needs unless he expresses them in prayer. Therefore, the knowledge that he will be heard does not hinder the intensity of his prayer, but rather increases it. We know that the Lord does not want to be without our prayers when he carries out his works and gives us his benefits. Only in response to prayer does he go ahead. Therefore, the believer's struggle in prayer is not an idle activity. It is not a meaningless formality, but the unfolding of the soul's highest powers. Prayer energies are the mightiest energies the world has ever seen or ever will see. Just as surely as the believer knows his prayer will be answered, so surely does he know that there will be no answer without his prayer. God has ordained your prayers to accomplish his purposes. And we need to pray. We need this prayer. We not only must make this prayer, but we need this prayer. Because of our proneness to do our own will. Because of the uncertainties that sometimes come into our life. Because of our concern over what the will of God is. This prayer that we need is our acknowledgement and of our interest in the will of God being accomplished. And our admission of our willingness to submit to the Lord in what he has revealed. We need this prayer to tune our hearts to follow the Lord in great fullness. We show our love for Christ in praying this in this prayer. We become like Christ. We demonstrate Christ's heart in this. Jesus said, I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And when we pray this prayer, we're showing ourselves to be like Christ. The praying for God's will to be accomplished is for our own good. It's for the blessing and goodness of God to be poured out into our lives. But perhaps the last and most important thing about this particular request is that the preeminent model and pattern of this petition in particular is our Lord Jesus Christ. When he came to the Garden of Gethsemane as God, he knew everything that was to take place. He had omniscience and knowing what was in the hearts of men as God, he knew what was ahead of him. But in his humanity, the horrible agony of what the Father was asking of him to do was overwhelming. And so he falls on his face on the ground in that garden and he cries out to the Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. A zealous, passionate prayer. 
And yet he adds, not indifferently, but significantly, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus prayed the prayer, thy will be done. And if our Savior prays that prayer, how much more do we need that prayer? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We come to our God in, our pr- in prayer and hallowed be your name. May your name be honored by us and all men. We pray your kingdom come. May the gospel be preached in all the world and believed and obeyed by us and all men. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let us make that the character of our prayer as we pray before the Lord each day. Uh, Let us pray. We thank you, our Heavenly Father, for the abundance of your gracious love and mercy in sending your Son. We thank you that he endured the opposition of sinners and he endured the agony of your wrath on the cross. And he prayed and we pray, Lord, that your will would be done. In our lives, Lord, you bless us so richly, so many ways. And yet at times uh, we have periods of dark providence. But we know that even in those periods of dark providence, it comes from a hand of love in a hand of a, a faithful and good God. May we, O oh Lord, be able to pray this prayer and follow your will uh, with, as the angels do in heaven. And may you, O oh Lord, be glorified in all things. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.